amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Are you ready to challenge your rhetoric? Today is Wednesday, April 13th. My name is Jerry Roberts. And I'm your host, challenging your rhetoric. Today is my dad's birthday, and my regular listeners know that I just lost my dad less than two months ago. I debated whether I was going to do a show tonight or not uh, because of that, but I know my dad would like me to go ahead and do that. So happy birthday, Poppy. I love you. Uh, So for months, I've been covering the January armed takeover of Oregon's Nellier Wildlife Refuge and its aftermath, including 27 individuals who've been charged with various federal crimes. Some of those individuals I know. Some of them were my friends. Many of them are still jailed, awaiting trial, while a handful of others have been released on bail. In addition, the indictment for the 2014 events in Bunkerville, Nevada, at the Bundy Ranch, have several crossover co-defendants there. Uh, And they're going to be being shuffled back and forth for these trials and uh, all the stuff that's going on. In fact, the judge just struck down uh, the request by the attorneys to not transfer uh, several of them to Nevada to be arraigned, so they will be going there. Uh, Anyway, so both of these cases are very complex. And although thus far only the Oregon case has been ruled as such, what makes them complex for the courts isn't the only thing that makes them complex. It's the only, not the only thing that's complex about what happened and what continues to happen and, and other things that may happen. Uh, you know, there's just so many different nuances to what went down at either places, both places, and with the participants involved. Uh, not just those that are in jail, but others that, that participated in one way or another, uh, and even those that participated not in their presence, but by default because of who they are or what groups they belong to or where their beliefs and stuff lie. So understanding doesn't really come easy for, for many, and a lot of the people within what, for the most part, they call the Patriot or the Liberty Movement uh, feel like there are more like-minded people with them than there are not at some times in the way that they present stuff. I know that feeling. I've done it myself. The thing is is that there is so little understanding out there in the overall general population of the citizenry of this country about what happened there, what happened at Bundy Ranch, who these people are, what is a militia. You know, those things are all really important for those that are involved in this to make sure that people understand because that's the only way that they're going to be able to uh, garner support for their cause, for their their patriots, for, you know, um, themselves and the credibility behind what they're doing. There's a whole lot of emotion in the reactions that are happening. And, of course, for those that are in jail and those immediate families, emotion uh, it, it would be normal for it to be to be really high. I mean, that's 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 how your heart works. Um, but 
there's a lot of other emotion that surrounds that too. And people that had no part of this, they're also riled up with emotion. Emotion. This is really going to, tonight, we're going to be talking a lot about emotion and about community. So it doesn't matter whether someone witnessed it at the locations of these events or on their television screens or on the many devices that we all use and surf information and news on. Images of flags and talk of constitutional rights suddenly became something that made many, many people cringe and even others actually fear. America became aware or more aware of the large numbers of militias that are currently active across this beautiful country of ours, and that too created an emotional reaction mostly based on fear brought out of the unknown or even propagated rumor. And rumor and propaganda, as I say pretty much every week, it goes both ways. Um, tonight, I'm going to be joined by two men. Both have been prominent or are prominent militia leaders in their own right. Both are well-respected and looked up to for the most part. Both have shown me, personally, a level of respect and responsibility that most people have yet to see uh, portrayed when faced with the reality of a militia because, uh, you know, even though there's a curiosity there or a lack of understanding, there's still the fear, like I mentioned, with a lot of people, especially after what they've seen. And when I say what they've seen, we know, those that listen to my show, know that most of the world, if they're participating in media, it's corporate media that is owned. And, you know, the truth is not always going to be there. But the truth also isn't on independent or alternative media. Because alternative media doesn't uh, mean no agenda, and independent media doesn't mean no agenda either. Neither one of them means it's better than corporate media one could be better than the other. It's about who's doing it. It's about the message and the content. And it's about delivering some truth and delivering a real dialogue, creating dialogue, not debates. Debates do not resolve anything. Debates are something that is used against all of us here in America in order to keep us from getting to real solutions. So, you know, this emotional reaction, you know, this whole fear thing and stuff and with the guys coming on, we're going to we're going to address a lot of that uh, after the, the front half of the show. Because in the front half of the show, well, let me tell you who's coming on. Tonight, Arizona 3% leader Mark McConnell is going to be on. And CEO of Patriotic Warriors, who also does some border recon, Melvin Lee, is going to be on with myself. And that's it, just the three of us. And we're going to talk about what a militia really is. Uh, I think that I think the general listener might be surprised. And I think that the uh, Liberty Movement, who's been passing around the link for the show, might also be a surprise, because I would challenge many of them that they really don't understand what a militia is. Um, so that's, that's who's coming on tonight. So both McConnell and Lee, they were at the Melior Refuge. They weren't there the full time. They had, you know, rooms and burns. You guys have seen different videos of theirs. You've heard their, their versions of the stories. Um, you know, they were there off and on. They weren't there, you know, from day one to, to the end. You know, Mark McConnell was driving his Jeep that Ammon Bundy and uh, Brian Buda Cavalier were in, uh, you know, the night that LaVoy Finnecum was shot. So there's been a whole lot of controversy. There's been many accusations that have been flung around this whole cyber sphere of ours um, about many people that were there, but especially McConnell. And... Um, so, because, and that's because, really, most of the speculation seems to be derived from or started from the fact that he was driving the car and was not arrested. So we're going to talk about that. What I want to do is, because that's not what this show is about tonight, but I know there's many people that, that are very interested in this from one side or another, 
we're going to talk about this. Now, I want to let my listeners know that I have had copious conversations with both of these gentlemen over a, a, a period of time now. Um, we've been in communication. I've spoken to them. I've done my personal vetting. My regular listeners know that I have former and current FBI and CIA and other alphabet company people on my show often or in my articles. They are my sources. They provide me information or connections when I need it for the things that I cover. They also provide me some really real answers, which I've discussed with regards to how some of those answers in my vetting process apply to Mark McConnell, and we'll discuss them again here in just a second when I bring them on. But before I bring the guys on, let me set up the show proper for the listeners. During each live broadcast, you can interact on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash challengingtherhetoric.news. There's already a couple of guys there that call themselves liberty-loving patriots that are trolling and slamming on that page. Uh, They will soon be blocked unless they can realize that what they're doing is hurting them. It's not hurting me. It's not hurting my guests on the show. It's hurting them because that's what you are showing people that you are. And so, you know, I suggest that you go in and delete your own comments and come up with something a little more appropriate. You can also find me on Twitter at CPR Newsfeed. For tonight's show, we're using hashtags CPR, Oregon Standoff, and Bundy Militia. All of the stories I cover are available on the website at challengingrhetoric.news. If you'd like to call into the show, you can do that at 646-787-1790. If you do call in, you need to be sure that all of your background noise is off. Uh, If you're calling to express a differing opinion than mine or one of the guests on the show tonight or another caller or somebody in the chat room or whatever, you need to be respectful, otherwise your call will be terminated. Um, Quick reminder, and this is very important, I am not a YouTuber. This is not a YouTube broadcast. I have archives over there, but I do a live show, and I have to deal with rating systems, and I don't mean rankings. I mean ratings like PG and R. My show is a PG-13, and that includes in the chat room. So anybody that can't abide by that, they will be immediately dumped out of there. Uh, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the fact I don't want to have a fine, and it's very important to me that the young people of our country are able to have an opportunity to hear the things that I present on this show. And for those of you that are listening that do shows, I would highly suggest that you would consider that in your show because these 13 and overs, are very close to being our, our, you know, these next adults that are going to be running everything here. You need to be mindful of what you're teaching them. So, um, you know, like I said, if you want to call in, 646-787-1790. Don't forget, background audio, off. So if you are listening to an archive, obviously you're not going to be able to get through on the phones and you're not going to be able to chat in the live chat room. The live chat room is already going. There's a whole bunch of people in there. My preference, of course, is if you actually log in and show your show yourself instead of try to be anonymous. Uh, but speaking of that chat room, same rules apply in there as they do on the calls. And if you have a question, I want you to direct it at Sue Shubart. She's my social media manager, and she will do her best to make sure that I am aware of your question. But I do not have a producer. I do all of this stuff in the inner workings of what I do on my own here. So I'm not going to be sitting there staring at the chat room. I will try to get to the questions as I can. Um, If you would like to call in, there's several people that are already called and dialed in. Now, I don't often take callers, and I'm not quite sure I will. It depends on how you're behaving in the chat room. If everything is going well in there, I'll consider taking some of these calls. 
But if you would like me to bring you on the show as a caller, again, you need to address Sue Shugart in the chat room, and you need to tell her what area code you're calling from, and you need to give her your name because I will not take anonymous trolling calls. I use my real name and face. These gentlemen are using their real name and face. Sue and Laura in the chat room are using their real names and faces, and I expect that from the people that want to engage and interact with me. If you want me to care about your comment and what you have to say, then you need to care about my rules. So, if you can't find the chat room and you're already logged on to the Blog Talk radio page, because that's where it is, uh, hit your refresh button and scroll down underneath the slider and it should be right there. So here we go. I believe tonight's show, I truly believe this, I believe tonight's show has the potential to be a really powerful show. And I hope to help ease some minds, staunch some rumors, and change some minds. So I want to bring the guys on. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them on back back here and I want to I, you know I'm not going to just bring one on and talk to him I'm going to I'm going to bring Mark on and then I'm going to you know we'll say hi real quick and then I'm going to bring on um on on Melvin Lee so uh Mark McConnell welcome to the show Hi how are you Hi <laughs> I'm great how are you doing I am well tonight Thank you for having okay. me on Glad to hear it <laughs> well, you know, it took us a while to get this coordinated to do it, so I appreciate your patience. Um, all right, so, you know, Melvin Lee is a friend of yours uh, as well, you know, somebody that you know and, and you've done stuff with. Um, so you two will be familiar with each other. I am going to go ahead and bring Melvin Lee on. Melvin, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Well, thank you for bringing me on, Mel. Uh, really, really appreciate it. So um, I do want to let the listener know so that you don't, you know, waste everybody's attention in chat. I do hear a little crackle and static. This week it may very well be on my end. I am here at the Oregon coast, and we have had an off-and-on windstorm uh, all afternoon and evening. So hopefully it doesn't knock the show off entirely. So, so guys, you know, here's the deal. All right, you know, as, as I told the listeners, we've been talking for a while. You know, you guys know that I've been looking into you, and I've been uh, long before I even approached you and, and began talking to you. So because there is a purpose to this show, because there is a, an end result I would like to see happen that I believe can happen, I want to get all the, all, the, all the bull crap stuff, you know, out of the way real quick. So I'm going to start with you, Mark. Are you a Fed? <laughs> No, actually, I'm not. Well, you know, obviously, that's one of the, the that's pretty much the the big, big, big thing that, that is, you know, the big finger that's been being pointed at you. And, um, you know, for some of the reasons that you're you're aware of, because people have contacted you, you know, you've done a couple of videos and stuff like that. So why don't you uh, address a couple of those reasons that people are accusing you of being a fed? Let the listener, oh, because obviously that. my listener is not is not necessarily going to know uh, what I meant when I say that, because not everybody is up on every aspect of this. And, and you know, to be true here, I want to be true here, the people that are actually creating these sorts of problems within uh, the movement, they're actually few. There's much more people that aren't. It's just that those handful of people are being quite noisy about it. So it isn't the biggest common knowledge thing like these people want it to be, but hey, let's address it. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Well, people get on the people get on the kick because I wasn't arrested. But there again, what crimes did I commit? You know, I was at the refuge, um, but I didn't support the taking of the refuge. I actually came out the night, you know, the night everything happened, and 
stated my position clearly that I did not support it. You know, people get on the kick that he was armed. Well, yes, I was armed in accordance with Oregon law. You know, I did have a rifle on me. Um, that rifle was unloaded. It was in a secured case, which makes it perfectly legal for transport. At no time did I have that I run around with a long gun, gear, anything like that. Well, and and let let me let me also point out, aside from that, um, because I was paying very close attention to the, to what was going on there, or I should say, what was coming out of there. I was not there. I know people that were there, um, but as far as what was coming out, and I don't mean from the corporate media because the corporate media barely paid any attention to this whatsoever. Um, so I'm kicking my first person out of the chat room, FYI, and it's, it's, this is how people want to show themselves and present the Patriot movement. They're doing a poor job, and I, I hate to do that, but he's already out of hand. He's the same one that's all over the Facebook page. So bye-bye, Billy Patriotist. So um, anyways, Mark, the, the thing here is, is that when I am, uh, you know, or when I, when I was, not when I am, when I, when I was looking into you and the rumors, um, I, I could see immediately why, in the heat of all their emotion, people would be completely freaking unglued that you didn't get arrested too. And um, so, but when people are hmm. able to take a step back for a minute and actually use logic and thoughts, then re the reality is there there was no reason for you to have been arrested, at least in the sense of, I'm not saying that you didn't do anything wrong because I don't know that to be true. But what I do know is that there wasn't anything that was being put out there on all these live streams and, and, all, and on all these, um, on all the social media like, like on others. But um, in fact, both you and Melvin, uh, and, and, and people can go on their own accord and go and look back. Both of you were pretty adamantly against this going down. So the idea that just because you weren't arrested all of a sudden arbitrarily makes you a fed. So that, you know, when people can't wrap their mind around a truth, okay, um, they need to find another reason to make their truth more truthful. So now they want to be on your ass <clears throat> over being at the October 2015 anti-Muslim rally uh, with John Ritzheimer. And um, so, you know, John Ritzheimer's one of your guys, right? Yeah, he's from Phoenix. Correct. Right. So now is this uh, – now I've done a lot of research into this specific thing because it was something that bothered me. And um, – but – uh, you know, we talked because I, I shared I shared that with you, and what you are, um, you know, what you're about to say is true. I have vetted this. This is this is true. This particular mosque is not just any mosque. Okay, uh, do I necessarily right. agree with everything myself? No, my listeners know that. However, this mosque again isn't just a typical mosque. Mark, please explain to the listeners as a whole, not just the Liberty Movement. Mm -hmm. What this mosque, this one, is about, and, and what prompted you guys to go there? You, not the that rest of them. It doesn't matter why the others were there. You. My particular reasons for going to that mosque was there's 29 mosques in Phoenix, in the Phoenix metro area. And that particular mosque right there is the one that produced the two uh, Garland shooters that were at that Draw the Muhammad rally that uh, were end up being put down. 
Now that, that moss there, there's also been uh, other people of interest that have circulated and come out of that moss. So that moss right there is more or less a hotbed for terrorism and for religion and for ex extremism. That's why I was there. Because that mosque needs the attention brought to it. The other mosques, there really hasn't been uh, really hasn't been much out of them. But like I said, that mosque there, that seems to be a hotbed. And and that, and that is true. I, I I looked into it myself, and um, you know, it's it's like, and and, I, and I'm not saying that I think it's okay to go and do all these things, um, because I don't know yet, you know, with with some of it. But I do know that there should be an understanding, especially within the liberty movement, of all people, of why you were there. People, here's a really good, for instance, Sarah Redbuck posted a link to tonight's show, uh, and, you know, getting everybody riled up to come in the chat and call in and all that, and, hey, that's great, it's been shared a whole bunch of times. I sent her a message so that she could correct it, because she announced that Brandon Curtis was coming on the show with you guys. Now, so if you're listening because you have an interest in Brandon Curtis, I never invited Brandon Curtis on the show. He was never a scheduled guest on the show. I don't know why that was announced. And, and that's fine. People make mistakes. But the point to that is how many times it was immediately shared, and it wasn't true. And that's how it happens with good, bad, and ugly. But it becomes true because, you know, someone posted it. It's on the Internet, Right. So, um, Mark, I'm going to come back to that uh, again, a little bit more on that again, but I don't want to leave Melvin out in the cold over there. So, Melvin, um, I'm going to ask Mark the same question in just a minute. Uh, but with regards to Now Your Refuge, why did you go? I went for the rally. I didn't go for the refuge. Well, true. I'm sorry. I need to. I try to call the whole thing the Now Your Refuge thing. That's, that's, that's my bad. Why did you go to Burns for the rally? I, w I was not going to, I wasn't going to go up there for the rally, but within my own groups, I, people started fighting within my own groups of exactly what was going on up there. So I decided to go up there and investigate and see what it was because I had individuals that was going up there. So I pretty much held everybody back within my organizations, and I went myself to see what was going on. So that that's pretty much why I went to the rally. Now, were there people uh, there that were connected to you, Melvin? Oh, uh, yeah, quite a few. Okay. And, Mark, were there people that went to Burns that were connected to you? Yes. Okay. So um, when uh, when you went, Mark, what was the reason you went for <laughs> The first time I went up there, I went up there to get a woman and her baby because she had went up there That's for correct. the uh, for the protest and had inadvertently got stranded, more or less. So I went up there to try to get her and that baby out of there, to which we did. Is, is, it, is it true that, in a sense, this young woman uh, felt a little cowed uh, to get out herself with her own vehicle. She was feeling a little bit of pressure to leave her vehicle behind so others could use it for, you know, stuff. And um, But she didn't want to be at the refuge, and she started staying with some strangers in town? Uh, that's more or less what happened. They uh, they so, kept her truck up there at the refuge for supply runs. 
Okay, so this this woman, and she didn't want to stay at the refuge. There was something that, you know, was made her uncomfortable to be there with her baby. She made the right decision. Having, you know, any children there um, was not a good idea. But so, so she left. So you go up there because she needs kind of rescue, okay, and, and extract it out. So um, when you guys were there, did either of you spend the night at the refuge? No. Definitely not. Okay. You guys stayed at the same uh, motel, in fact, where Francilli stayed. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, um, Melvin, I want to jump to you. Uh, I, I did a, a story yesterday or the day before uh, with regards to Santilli, um and different ways that he has been kind of used uh, by, in my opinion, the federal government as well as uh, people like Ammon Bundy for you know, for their needs. Um, when uh, when you when you were in Burns uh, the night after the takeover of the refuge, you had an interaction with Pete Santilli in the parking lot. You want to tell the listeners about that? Well, we had met that morning, you know, and I was getting ready to go back home. And Blaine ended up texting me. Blaine was in the parking lot. So I went out, basically talked to uh, Blaine, basically chewed him out a little bit for the whole takeover thing. And then John Ritzheimer walked up. And then I turned to him, and I I spoke to him about being a Marine. We don't do it this way, you know, blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. That's when John told me that half the people wanted to, half the people didn't. And that's when, you know, and, and Santilli was right there. I said, damn it. I said, that's what you need to be, be putting out right there. You know, that some of them, just, they just want a peaceful protest. That's all they want. And they did. They made two videos. Well, John told me, he goes, man, I know you don't agree, but come out there and look around. See what you think. So I did. I drove out there. I looked around. And, you know, Lord have mercy. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it actually happened. So me and John started putting out videos in order to spin it back to a peaceful protest, period, which John got his tail chewed out for by Ryan Payne. That evening, that whole day, we sat there and we called every media outlet that we had contact with, anybody and everybody to get people up there to start reporting on what was going on, to draw as much attention, you know, to, to hopefully keep them alive, you know, put the cameras out there, you know. Well, I had to leave to go to California the next day, so we went back to the hotel. Shortly after that, Santilli drove up, and basically I went over to Santilli, and I told him, I said, hey, man, I said, I've got contacts. You can use them, you know, you know, however you want to do it. And, you know, Santilli, you know, he he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he, he wasn't shy about explaining to me he knew what was doing, what he was doing. And when he started to walk away, he told me, he goes, this is effing stupid, you know, and he said it again, you know, and that's what makes me think that he didn't, totally agreed with the takeover of that refuge. He definitely was going to report on it, but he didn't totally agree with it either. And is it correct that he turned to you and he said that it was effing stupid? Yes. Okay. So I want to talk about that just briefly uh, for a second, guys, to the listeners. Um, I wrote a story yesterday called Was Pete Sound Silly? The per- Everybody's Perfect Taxi. Now, before you attack me on the use of the word taffy, please go look at the definition of taffy, and please go read the story. This article I wrote is not against 
sound silly, even when I call him dumb as a box of paper clips, because that's what he calls himself all the time. Okay, but what that story points out is some very, very real stuff, like what really was going on with the gun charge that was brought to Santilli's. There's a ton of people out there that still cry that Santilli's a fed. Santilli's not a fed. I know Santilli personally. I've done the same vetting on Santilli that I did on these two gentlemen on my show and as I do on the other people of import on my show. And I have a really good resources for that vetting, okay? I'm not talking about just a few Google searches. I'm a real journalist, and it matters to me that we get this stuff right. Santilli is not a Fed, but that doesn't mean that the Fed didn't have that Ohio gun charge dropped so that Santilli could, in fact, make it to Burns for the rally and whatever else that they were hearing in their surveilling of him so that he can do what he always does. Everybody knows how what his MO is. I mean, it's not like you have to guess, oh, how, what will Santilli do? Everybody knows how he's going to behave, you know, with his camera and, and his personality. And that's exactly what the feds needed because for almost two years up until that point, they've been using exactly that to build their case for the Bundy Ranch. Okay, but it's not just the feds that used Santilli. It wasn't just their passing. Okay? Santilli injected himself into Ammon Bundy, Clive and Bundy's life and family prior to Bundy Ranch because he was turned on by the cause and the idea. And he had never done any kind of in-the-streets type activist event ever at that point. He was all behind the mic in a little room somewhere. He was so excited after that event. It turned him on. I always say it's like when somebody, you know, first, you know, finds God and they're on fire for Christ. That's how Santilli was after the Bundy Ranch. I know this. We sat in a bar in Astoria, California, talking all about this. We talked about it a lot. And as we know now, the feds have been investigating him ever since. But he goes there, and he he offers up tens of thousands of listeners that are fairly like-minded on some anti-government issues and gun rights issues. He says, hey, I got my audience, and I got a mic. I'm going to do this for you, man. Who would say no? Well, I mean, people that don't want to have their, you know, data and intel broadcast on the on you know on the internet so they can then later have it used against them in a federal court of law, I would suppose who wouldn't say yes now. But that wasn't the case then. So here's the deal. We've seen Santilli's live feed video the morning of the rally. We have seen LaVoy Finnegan's video that he did on uh, I think it was January sixteenth talking about the morning of the rally and him and the other leadership as he calls it had a private meeting not in that parking lot, not at the Safeway, but in a building next to Safeway. They had a private meeting, and that is where they told the people that were in there that he made that decision. Now, Santilli was not in that meeting. I have verified that from two completely and unrelated sources. He was not in that meeting. But Santilli had to have known something about a potential takeover, okay? And here's why. Because in Santilli's own live feed, as everybody on YouTube and everywhere else wants to go and pick out, oh, Cameron whispered about the refuge here, and Santilli said, now you're here. Let's look at the real fact here. Santilli says that Evan Bundy asked him, or told him, not asked him, told him and Deb Jordan to go to Malheur Refuge before the rally and go be there on their own, waiting for him. Probably a good thing that Santilli didn't do that. Um, but that is what was put out there on the air. But you can look at all those things and say, oh, aha, aha, aha. 
But everybody's missing the point here. There's not one ounce of surprise from any one of those people as far as Santilli, Deb Jordan, Kenny Rose, Orange Hat Man. The only one that voiced or had any surprise reaction and then quickly got out of the vehicle, that was his, whoever was acting as Santilli's uh, security detail from I hope 3%. And um, he he got out. His, his, his upper ups told him, nope, you're not doing it. He got out and went walking. He saw it on the video. Until he decided not to go to the refuge first. Okay? He decided to cruise his way through that rally, right? I'm sure that when people say it was a hard decision for him, it was a hard decision on one hand, because you can hear Deb Jordan hyperventilating, literally, in that video, she can't. She's begging Santilli to turn the camera off, and he is stubborn and doesn't. But when he takes her out of the vehicle to talk to her privately off camera, she returns with a completely different demeanor. They got their, you know, their game on. Okay, they they, they got it out, and now, yep, according to Deb, yep, we have to, we have to do it. She was no longer hyperventilating. She wasn't all freaking out like she had sounded. She sounded upset. She sounded upset that they might miss the rally, but she was upset. It didn't seem at the information because not one of them said, what's Malheur? Where's Malheur? What's that? Or even why are we going? Which means that they, that those people, that Santilli and Deb, they knew that there had been a potential plan on the table. What happened that day is Ammon just gave him the word and said, yep, I made the decision. So they knew. That's why nobody asked. All right. So we're done with Sam Tilly right now. Mark, the day on January 26th, you guys head out to go to John Day. Now, for those that took the time like I did, and thank you, Bundy Ranch, and thank you, Arnold Law, and the others that shared my 94 points from the initial incident report, um, all of them, I meticulously went through them. In two of those of the three-part incident reports, it mentions a burgundy or maroon SUV-type vehicle. It mentions that the intel that they were getting from, I always call it a drone, but the, surveil, the, 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 the surveillance plane, uh, had mentioned that to the people, to the, the Oregon State Police and the FBI that were at the snow park. The roadblock had not been set up yet. It was a very simple roadblock, people. It didn't take anything but to drive down there and park their cars, okay, and roll out some scripts, you know, some spike scripts. It takes minutes to do that. Now, they were told something about that red vehicle, that, that burgundy and maroon vehicle. But nobody's asking about that. And it's almost, and, and, and I'm, this is speculation, okay? I'm saying this is speculation. I'm not saying that whoever this was. They say something in, in one of the reports that it's a rancher. Maybe. I don't know. They don't identify the person, but they do. It's worthy of note twice. And both times where it is noted, there's heavily redacted stuff around it. I have done of the mind that it's possible that whoever drove and owned that vehicle was somebody that was being used sort of like a like a pilot car. Like that was the bright red one to look for, and you'd kind of know where everybody was and the timing, and so you could find and identify the other vehicles. So, Mark, you're driving your Jeep. LaVoy's driving his truck. He's behind you. You're coming down highway, and uh, all of a sudden, you guys, you, you you see the people that are, you know, there at the side of the road, and then they pull in behind you. You didn't hesitate to stop. Why? I think that bothers a lot of people. Why? Why? Why did you immediately pull over? 
Are you there? Did I lose you, Mark? No, I'm Nelson, right here. Are you with me? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, Lavoie's uh, vehicle. Go ahead. Okay, Lavoie's vehicle was ahead of me. I wasn't. I I was the chase vehicle. I wasn't the lead vehicle. Then okay. when we got driving down through there, um, we knew that there was a heavy FBI presence because we had had a meeting on Saturday with Brandon Curtis and PPN. You know, the, about they were estimating there was about 300 agents that had moved in there, along with various sheriff's departments from around the state. So we knew that there was a heavy presence. Uh, when we got riding up through there, you know, no, keeping that in mind that there was a heavy presence and keeping in mind that this meeting right here was public knowledge and the road that it is on, there's one way to John Day and one way back. You know, so <clears throat> you got to start looking at all these different factors. Um, as we got rolling up through there, Lavoie went by, and that's when we caught sight of him, when, when Brian and I caught sight of him. And as I come up onto them, just about in front of them, they started rolling out behind us. It didn't take much to figure out who they were. You know, you've got between, say, 9 and 11 heavy-duty vehicles that are all sitting facing the road, you know, ready to roll out there at any point in time. That's not, you know, that's just not a group of snowmobilers out there playing around. That's somebody. And then they rolled out behind us, and when they did and hit their lights, I mean, that was just confirmation. So that's when I stopped. Right. Now, now um, let's take that a step further. So you stopped like any normal person should and would when the cops get behind you and hit their lights, right? Correct. That whole, I mean, so everything I'm up there, every... Time. Was Every saying, working I, I moment we time. were up there. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, Mark, I, I have a hard time with the people that are having a hard time with the fact that you stopped for the cops. Um, I mean, not everybody is going to do what Lavoie did, including all these people that have a problem with the fact that you stopped for the cops. Now, when your guys, okay, your Arizona three percenters, would you advise them to stop for the cops? Absolutely. Isn't that the responsible citizen thing to do? Typically. <laughs> All right, Melvin, I know you wanted to uh, comment on, on the whole Mark's the Fed thing, so go for it. Oh, and well, listeners, uh, we're going to talk about the video. We're going to talk about the video that Mark put out because I don't know that you know this and why he put it out. Melvin, fill him in. Okay, the whole we're, we're people. People is coming to uh, you know an idea that Mark's fed, and there's a, there's some information they don't don't know. So, number one, my interaction with Mark up there at that refuge for a couple of days. I didn't see nothing but, but honorable people, him being honorable. And he wasn't shy about the fact that he was against the takeover of that refuge. And I sat right there and watched him tell young men, the best thing you can do is go home, right along with myself. I watched that man protect that girl and that baby. I watched that man. We escorted them two females and that baby back to Arizona. We escorted them back. Now, why would a man drive all the way back to Arizona and then drive back up there? An informant wouldn't have left there. An informant wouldn't have cared about the female. 
An informant wouldn't have the conversation he had with me before he went back up there. That was a two-day conversation that me and him had, whether he should or whether he shouldn't. The video that everybody's mad at him about putting out. Well, you know what, Melvin? You know what, Melvin? All the feds that I know that I've talked to deeply on this, okay, all the feds that I know, that I personally know, and I know quite a few, all right, they have all said the same thing. But first of all, those people that are in jail, that people that are being accused of being a fed, they would not still be in jail. It doesn't work that way. For those that are worried about people like Jason Blomgren being a fed because he's got pretrial release, let me remind you, Jason's father, Blomgren's father, is an ex-NYPD cop, okay? He's been able to pull a lot of strings along the way. Did he give information in his um, statement about explosives and stuff out at the refuge? He did. That's for there everybody to see. Does that mean he's a fed? No. Does it mean that he potentially turned over anything beyond what was in his statement? Here's the deal, people. There's not a single, single, up until this point right now, there's not a single charge for either incident at Malheur or at Bundy Ranch that would reflect anything to do with what um, Jason Blomgren says was at the refuge. Now, I'm not saying that that wasn't at the refuge. I'm just saying that that does not make him a fed. Maybe he thought by telling him them that that maybe somebody else already said it, or maybe they found it, or maybe he made a deal of some sort to help him out. Who knows? But don't forget that his father's an ex-NYPD cop, and that's that's where some strings are getting pulled, and he's got his pretrial release. Um, and that's a fact, okay? That's a, that's an absolute fact there, by the way. Um, so let's let's talk about Mark being a fed. Now, the... The, my my guys, okay, my, my people, my fed people that I talk to all the time have assured me that if Mark were in fact a fed, then his cover is blown and he would spend no energy or time with any of you people or caring what any of you people thought, making a video, trying to get any respectability out of any of you, arguing with you. His job would be done. His cover would be blown. He would move on. That's a fact, people. Mark McConnell, whether it plays the way you would like it to in your narrative, is not a fest. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Melvin, go ahead and continue. Well, you actually covered one of my points. Why would you let an informant out first and foremost and just go, hey, here's that guy? Why would you do that? Right. You wouldn't. And, and secondly, it, it, well, it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, and, and what I want everybody out there to understand, and I know all of y'all are listening. Everybody couldn't understand why Mark put that video out. I'm the I'm the responsible party of why he put that video out because I was pressing him to put that video out because I was sitting here. We was watching everybody go freaking nuts because, well, the first thing that came out, the boy was on his knees, and they walked up and shot him in the face. The second story that came out, that he was laying on the ground and they walked up and shot him in his back. Do you know how many men across this country was throwing gear in vehicles? And then when Mark called me, well, actually he texted me, and then I called him. I was like, where, where the heck are you at? You know, he told me he was at a service station. He, he was trying to find a way back out to the refuge. And I told him, I said, hell, no, you're not going back out to the refuge, man. Well, I ain't got a, I ain't got my ride. They took my Jeep. 
hold on. I'll call Brandon Curtis, and I will have you picked up and take you over to the hotel. And that's what happened. Now, through conversations with Mark about what Shauna had told him, it was the boy wasn't on his knees, and they didn't shoot him in the face, and he wasn't laying down, and they didn't shoot him in the back. He started telling me what she had told him. I was like, we need to make a video on that. We need to get that out and where we can stop all of these guys that are headed your direction. Plain and simple. Some of those guys was my guys, and we could not shut them down. So that's why Mark so, made that video, to offset all you, the you bad rumors that immediately started going around. Right, right. Now, people have tried to tag Mark because he wasn't within eyeshot to see, you know, the things that, that they're trying to say that are specific, that he's an eyewitness. Now, you know, that's one of the things people say, somebody's an eyewitness, but they're not an eyewitness, <laughs> you know. Um but, uh, you know, the thing is, is, Mark, when you, when, when Mel, so once you pick up from where Melvin left off, so Melvin, you know, was talking to you about the need to make this video. What were your thoughts on Correct. that when he wanted you to do that? Well, I wasn't really a, I wasn't a fan of it, and Melvin knew that. Um, but I was seeing a lot of the same things he was, hence the reason why I started that video out to dispel some of the rumors and nonsense. You know, that video there, <clears throat> I don't really know what people, thought they weren't listening to it or what, but I, I recall in that video somewhere around eight or nine times where I explicitly say, this is what i seen, this is what I was told, you know, and then people want to get into the, you know, the accuracy of my video. Now, going off from Shauna's different, you know, uh, interviews that she's done, you know, up to including the last one she just did, my video versus what her interview is, is damn near verbatim. You know, in my video, I talk about how Ammon and Ryan Payne had a heated argument. She says the same thing because Ryan wanted them to pull over. Lavoie wanted to keep going. I was accurate on that. I was even accurate on her recount of uh, when he got out of the vehicle, the rear wheels were still spinning. Her statement that she just gave in the last interview said that when they got out of the vehicle, which is still well, a few minutes later, three, four minutes later, that the rear wheels were still spinning. My accuracy on it was correct of what she told me. You know, she did keep changing her story. She did keep adding and subtracting things. And somebody's done a YouTube video on her on her inconsistencies as it is. Right. You know, that's why I expressly say in my video what I seen versus this is what I was told. And now, I don't know. I, I don't know. If people can't pick it up. I don't mean to jump in here, but there's another video out there that was made. When I had when I had him picked up and taken back to our guys there in Burns, it was simple. Vet him, vet what happened, and get a video out so we can let the people know of what happened. There's another video out there. I do not have that video. I would like that video, but there's another video out there. Yeah, maybe Chaos News will find it for us. Um, <laughs> um, well, I imagine it just got scrubbed. Yeah, yeah, probably so. But, you know, just like, okay, here, you know, we we had Victoria Sharp and we had Shauna Cox say all sorts of stuff, okay, all sorts of stuff after this happened, after LeVoy was killed, 
All right. Shauna kept demanding that they release her cell phone video footage or her video camera footage or whatever. But what happened when they did, Melvin? Say again? Well, you know, Shauna Cox and Victoria Sharp had a lot of things to say about what happened inside the vehicle and, and what happened with the whole situation, and most of which turned out to be completely untrue. But during that whole time, she was demanding, publicly demanding, that her video footage be released to the public to prove all these things she was saying. Did her video prove anything that they said? Well, I want to let's, – let's go over that whole scenario, if you don't mind. One, there yeah, was only one it. shot fired at that. There was only one shot fired that was not a lethal round. That was a non-lethal round. They fired it for whatever reasons at Ryan Payne when he when he leaned out the window. Now, that was the only shot fired. Now, Ryan Payne gets out of the vehicle, and that's when they started recording. They started recording after he got out of the vehicle. All right, now somehow, after a non-lethal round was fired, a man was able to get out of a vehicle with a firearm, which he throwed, remember they left him at the refuge, but he took the firearm and threw it in the snow. And then he went on and proceeded back. That's when they started the video. When you watch that video, everybody kept saying there was two shots fired that Swan LaVoy took off. There was three minutes and 47 seconds right there. No shots fired. Three minutes and 47 seconds. With her video... She also basically coached LaVoy into going, into taking off. That she was does. something that, that, that bugged me right there by watching that video. It wasn't they drove off because they was getting fired at, which is what's going around the Internet. You know, but people see that. They don't go back and correct their information. You know, this this that, no. that's what irritates me. Well, Melvin, just like you said, you said that they that like that Shauna has added and subtracted in her statements, but none of them have actually retracted. Just like the simple thing that I spoke about towards the beginning of the show about Sarah Redbuck putting up a notice about the show tonight, about you guys coming on the show, and saying that Brian and Curtis was going to be here. And it was shared so prolifically, you know, immediately, uh, you know, and with, throughout throughout all those groups of people. And... But it wasn't true. Now, that could have been something of import. I mean, it really doesn't matter whether Brandon Curtis is on the show or not. It doesn't matter that she made a mistake. What matters is that it gets, something that's not true gets so prolifically shared as if it is true. Because nobody takes a moment, nobody takes a moment to really see if it's true. They'll take more than a moment. They'll take days. They'll take 24-hour periods and not sleep to sit around and try to find stuff to piece together the story that they want to tell, right? Pretty and much. I don't mean I don't mean I don't mean just people that have to do with with what happened in Oregon or Nevada. I mean that's just kind of how society is now, which is pretty sad. Um, but did you, Mark? Did you want to comment some on Shauna's video and uh, once it had come out and stuff? Well, Shauna's video, it just it it counters everything that she said. There again, where's the where's the hundred rounds that were fired? You know, a hundred rounds being fired into a vehicle is going to cut that vehicle up pretty good. There's no you're not going to walk away from that. It was non-lethal rounds. They fired several non-lethal rounds. Right. Yeah, lots. You know, lots, anybody, lots of, of anybody that's, rounds. you know, anybody that's been fired at, 
doesn't sit there and one crank the music up because your favorite song just come on the radio. It doesn't work that way. You know, um, when they sat up there and they were already in the snowbank, you know, if you're being fired at with real bullets, you you know you are. You don't have the time to sit there and you know whatever she called them a bunch of jerks or what have you. That's not the stuff that crosses your mind when you're being fired at. You know, and like with with what Melvin said, you know, once Ryan Payne jumped out of that truck, there were no more shots fired. There was no, there's no logical reason to take off. And I know people are, are sitting there saying that, you know, well, they should just let him go to the next county. Well, how much further do you want to neuter American law enforcement? You know, that's what I don't get. Um, do you see yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, and if, I want to point something out. One of the things. Go ahead. If you're running, you know, if you're running on a road and you get pulled over by, you know, say like where I live in Phoenix, you know, if I get pulled, pulled over by Phoenix PD, I can't sit there and tell them, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to go to Mesa. I can't tell them that. I can't tell them I'm going to go to Tucson. That's that's not the way this works. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that just reminded me, because you had done it while you were speaking right now, one of the other things that they have ridiculously attacked you on and tried to use as, as some sort of a, an all-smoking gun is that you clear your throat a lot. And Melvin and I have given you a hard time. But, um, you know, the listeners out there that are willing to actually listen, Mark clears his throat all the time. It's a natural reflexive action of his. It has nothing to do with telling the truth or lying. It's any and all conversations. It's part of how he speaks. And to take something about somebody that you don't understand and try to turn it into something else is is, is very immature. Um, Mark, some of these people have gone after your wife. Correct. Can you tell the listeners in general a little bit about what they did? Because I want to talk a little bit right now about defamation of character, libel, and um, doxing. Well, I mean they've done they've done a lot. You know they've they've gone over Facebook page. You know it's like that one uh, that one news source there. I won't even mention the I won't even mention his name. Um, you know he wants to film her Facebook page and film her pictures and talk about her and stuff like that. And she had nothing to do with this. You know she had nothing to do with any of this. You know, and I see to where, you know, some people from a uh, ranch family, um, you know, want to throw things out there, you know, about her. You know, it's pure, it's just pure nonsense. But yet, she's maintained her, her silence on it. You know, the one thing that Tammy was attacked on was, <clears throat> Shauna told me, you know, Shauna made a statement that I was very cold and very emotionless. Emotionless. Everybody that, anybody that knows me, know that's how I am. I'm very blunt. I'm very right to the point. Um, you know, and she made a reference to, you know, here she's, you know, Shauna's saying that I'm emotionless there, but yet hours later after, you know, after one of your, you know, one of your people is shot, here you are in a mugshot smiling. I mean, that's just, that's not, that's not right. You know, and then the police reports, you know, when that 360 or 362 page, you know, report come out, um, you know, one of the things that they mentioned in there is when Shauna come out of the truck was the first thing first thing that she said to an officer, not you know, not questioning about LaBoy or even checking on LaBoy, but she asked this officer if he believed in if he's read the constitution or believed in the constitution. You know, and even he said in his, you know, whatever it was, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years of experience, that was the oddest damn thing he had ever heard. And I gotta agree with him. You know, nobody nobody thinks like that. 
but so, Mark, the whole thing is odd. I, I, yeah, it is. And so, speaking of personal uh, stuff, um, I just I booted somebody from the chat room right now because they're not abiding by my PG thirteen. Uh, they're being quite rude, but they they posted us a, a, a question with regards. Um, you kind of your lifestyle and the stuff that you post on your Facebook page. Of course, they're trying to say that you abuse women. Um, and, and we know that there are people out there that, that love Fifty Shades of Grey and those that didn't and, mm. um, you know, or whatever, people's lifestyles and what they do behind closed doors. If they're happy people, they're happy people. But, you know, somebody is directing that question. I, I booted them out, but because the question's out there, I'm not, so the listeners know, yep, I booted somebody out of the chat room for being an idiot, but I'm happy to pose the question. Do you want and me to answer that? We don't have to dwell on it. We don't, mm. Huh? Yeah, Do you, you want me you to answer, answer that? It delicately. You can answer it delicately. It's PG-13, but, I mean, it's, I mean, the reality is, it's, you know, whatever you're interested in, you're interested in. I mean, it's not people's business, and it's no reflection on whether you're a fucking guy. Ooh, see, I do it sometimes, too. But whether you're a set or not, right? You know, I mean, right. these are the type of things that people try to pick out. The minute you start, you know, we start talking about your wife and the people going after her and I want to get into doxing, this is this is how people come out. And, again, I'm going to say this to every single person listening. You're out there and you're doing this behavior, okay, this behavior, and everybody's seeing it. You're not hurting me. You're really not hurting Mark. You're not hurting Melvin. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting your movement. The perception that people have of your movement is not because of what has been out there in corporate media. It's because of what you yourself are doing every day, okay? Um, You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. So, I mean, is there anything, and you don't have to, Mark, uh, but just, you know, for the listeners, I'm well aware of Mark's lifestyle. Not a secret. It's all over his page. Is there anything you feel you need to say about it? Well, you know, the the thing is about, where people get this mass confusion about BDSM or about dominant and submissive, what they don't understand is those types of relationships are much, much deeper than what your standard relationships are. You know, my style, my lifestyle, the relationships that come out of my lifestyle are solely built upon love and respect. Uh, they're solely built on honor. There's no abuse. There's a much different, there's a, a big difference between abuse and what my lifestyle is. You know, in my lifestyle, abuse is a, it's not even, it's not even there. You know, people did get on the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing. And yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, massive bestseller. You know, a lot of people have questioned about it. But what they don't understand is the, is the emotional depths that are actually into this type of relationship. You know, people talk about in a regular relationship, trust. You know, trust is a big issue with regular relationships. But how do you prove trust in a regular relationship? In my type of relationship, trust is easy to prove because that's what's exhibited through every action of us with between us and our partner. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so um, I just want to say uh, to the listeners right now, Sarah Redbuck, Redbuck has joined the chat room here a few minutes ago. Um, she's going on and on. She posted to her Facebook page and let the people know in chat that uh, apparently I must be lying because she has a text message that she posted a screenshot with uh, allegedly between her and Brandon Curtis of him saying that he's supposed to be on the show. Uh, I do not know Brandon Curtis. I know who he is, obviously, uh, because of all of this stuff. I've never spoken to the man. I don't know whose text or whatever she's looking at or why or why it even matters for that matter. 
But um, anyways, if Brown and Curtis would like to call in the show, he's more than welcome. Everybody has the number. Uh, so anyways, um, but see, that's how, you know, people have no problem just putting whatever they want out there. And, and you know, I guess they haven't learned their lesson for all those that are in jail that they say they care about, you know. I mean, isn't they're putting out stuff that's untrue. They're putting out stuff and doing all this stuff, and it's, it's being readily collected. And, oh, by the way, when I talk about the feds that I'm attached to, listeners, I guarantee you there's probably a couple listening tonight and probably in that chat room, and they're not the two that are on my show. So I would be a little wary of your problematic attitude and showing your ass because what we're trying to do is we're trying to actually have a real dialogue with you. And if you'd like to have one, we're all for it. So, uh, Melvin, let's, let's talk about what a militia really is. All right, a militia, uh, let me give the history of it. If you track back militias, mm. all right, you can go all the way back to the 1500s, all right? 1560 is where, where to track all the way back to. It's in every country. It isn't just the United States, all right? It was here before we even became a country, all right? It is it is non-professional fighters, but it's just, it's made up of the citizenry of the United States. And and they have a right to form a militia. Americans have the right to form a militia. These people protect their community, protect their country, you know, the whole nine yards. They back up the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Okay, plain and simple. All right, anybody from age 17 to 50, to 45 is considered militia. People just don't know about that. People don't know the history of it no more because over the years, well, it's just it's, it's been removed from from our history, and, you know, it gets a bad name. It gets a bad name from, well, our very own government, you know, likes to give it a bad name. So does news sources, media, and so does some of the people that actually are in the militias. They also give us a bad name as well. Now, I know your people want to know about the 3%, the Oath Keepers, and everything else. 3%, same thing. It's just a, it's wait, just wait, a Melvin, modification. Melvin, hold on. Wait, mm-hmm. Melvin, hold on, hold on, pause. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you ran that together real quick, so I want to make sure the listener knows where you're going. Um, we're going to talk more about what a militia is and about uh, community in a minute, but what Melvin's getting ready to tell you is uh, several mm-hmm. people have asked specifically if the these two guys would take some time to explain to them the differences between the militia groups, differences between Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters and, like, Border Patrol people um, and that sort of thing. So um, that's what Melvin's going into right now. Go ahead, Melvin. Okay, that, that's what a militia is. And I highly recommend everybody, you know, look into to a lot of these militia books. There's a lot of good people out here, and they're trying to do the right thing. And they're there for you. They're there to protect you and help you. Now, there's some you might investigate. You might not want to have anything to do with. But if you go to the Second Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. All right, the word militia is right there for everybody to look at. All right, there, there's nothing illegal about it. Some states have came down hard on that word militia and groups that call themselves militia. <laughs> so they had to change the name. A lot of people will fall under three percenters. Three percenters 
or basically the, reflects back to the 3% that held off the British or basically won our independence. Now, Oath Keepers, Oath Keepers is anybody out there as far as military, law enforcement, anybody that took an oath to defend, all right, to defend and protect this country and its constitution. They uphold that still today. They take that, they take it to heart, you know, to still defend this country, its people, its constitution. They're good people. Now, there is some that give us a bad name, yes, but for the most part, it's your fellow citizens out here trying to work within the community to make them better. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the fearful factor to people about militias. Now, I told my listeners uh, there was a period of time I dated a militia guy, and um, and then I've also told them that a, a very serious uh, ex-boyfriend that I had, a live-in ex-boyfriend that I had many years ago, um, is the person who actually built wrote the Keeper's website. Um, he still does. I, I believe he still is the one that manages the site. I'm not sure because we're not in touch. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had different involvements on a personal level as well as just in my activist world with this. And hmm. there are times that I've been at activist events and I've seen um, full-on anarchists in the sense of not the definition of an anarchist, which is much more... Uh, I mean, people should really understand the definition of an anarchist as well because it's not exactly what they perceive it to be. But you, you have all these different stereotypes. And I've been at several, like, D.C. and New York events where full, full on, you know, had to tell black, there are nothing to do but make trouble. You know, anarchists have been there. And that is a little scary when you're in that situation. Now, for the people that are worried about everybody uh, displaying their Second Amendment rights and doing these protests now all armed, um, you know, they're afraid, and they don't even care to hear the message. I've written about it before, and I've talked about it before. I, I have a motto. They are afraid of you and not your message. So um, can you kind of address the fear factor? What What is legitimate to fear about them and what isn't? Well, that Mark, fear factor one. That one, Mark? What, let's let Mark start with that one, and then, and then you can finish that, Melvin. Okay, can you repeat the question? Yeah, I, I just if you can explain to the mm. listeners uh, what are what are some legit fears that 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 mm. you know that they might have uh, over you know somebody that's a, a militia member and the ones that that are really things not to worry about. Well, with some of the militias, they they have a certain paranoia factor. You know, uh, we watch some of the militias to where. You know, they, they see a small thing. I mean, I've seen some guys there where they're, I mean, they're paranoid about their mailman coming there because the, the mailman's a federal employee. You know, I don't know. I think Melvin can answer that one better than I can. Melvin? The fear factor, the fear factor mm-hmm. for the most part is people are worried that, you know, some of the militia members and three percenters and even Oath Keepers out here, you know, now you have a legitimate group of oath keepers. Okay, they, that's their that's their name. It's you know a complete organization. They are transparent. They're out front. Uh, they're not shy at all. But there is some out here that want to hide within the communities. You know they want to keep it secret and want to do this, that, and the other. And that's what makes it bad. You know if I could convince all of my militia out there to come out 
let's stand out in front of these people. Let's stand out in front of this government and tell them, without arms, tell them we don't agree. We do not agree with the direction we're, we're going or headed in this country. Then we could change a lot. <clears throat> but the problem is, is people think that they're going to make themselves a target. I'm going to tell you right now, the more you hide, that makes you the bigger target. You're trying to hide something, so they're definitely trying to look it up. They're definitely trying to find what you're trying to hide. For guys like us that go down here on this border, we hide nothing. We stand right there in front of them. We're transparent. We communicate. They know our true names. Not a code name, not a fake name. They know my name. I have failed yet to get arrested down there. My door has not been kicked in at 2 o'clock in the morning. I have not been harassed. None of our guys have. So what I got to get, we got to get, we got to, we got to grow up. We all disagree with the direction we're going. And by us setting back and not unifying and not coming together as a people. Now, when I say a people, when I start talking about my American people, I mean all people. Left, right, center, wherever you're at. I don't care what your ideology is. We have got to come together. If we keep being divided the way we are, we're going to end up ripping this country apart eventually, all of us together. And it's going to be all of our faults. See, when we sit back and don't get involved, people will take it upon themselves to change something. They go up, 40 men, and they take a refuge. And see, here's my problem. Because I blame every one of us. I blame every one of us because we did not do... We did not we didn't do enough. We didn't do enough before those guys took that refuge or they wouldn't have to have to take a refuge to get the point across. And that's where we as responsible Americans, all of us, need to come together. We need to come together responsibly and in the right manner and correct this. Now, there's a situation going on right now with Mel Bundy. He was in he was in jail. For two days, the man wasn't able to go to the bathroom or this, that, and the other. He had to sit in his own own feces. All right? That that goes on, and we need to change that. We need to correct that. All right? There's things across this country that we all disagree with. We don't. We might not all agree on a specific topic, but we all agree that we have issues, and we need to correct those issues. You know, I've got a friend. All right, he has an organization, Walking for the Forgotten. With that organization right there, you will find Republicans, you will find Democrats, you will find people far left, far right. You will find all sorts of people, white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people. You will find everybody coming together to try to help our homeless veterans. Now, how can they come together and and do what they do there, and we can't seem to come together on everything else? It's because we, we, well, we no, believe in our ideology more than we do our country. That's why. Yeah, okay, that's that's, that's a, a, an excellent statement there, be, and especially to how I want to, to what I want to say on that, and that is that when people are believing in their ideology, then that's when they stop believing in real truth because they're no longer looking for truth. They're only looking for things to verify what they believe. Now, when it comes to... When it comes to militias and stuff, I want the listeners to understand something. That the true definition of a militia and what and, and I mean there's lots 
you can sit there and say, oh, it's for this, and oh, it's for that. But what it really is is it is about community. I have said every single week, long before I even did this show, you guys know this about me, I've been an in-the-streets hardcore activist. I have been an extremist myself in the past. Thank God I'm not anymore. But it is about communities. Now, if you have a neighborhood watch, that's a militia. You don't have to have a gun to be a militia. After uh, 9-11 happened, one of the things that I had done in my own community, and it was I stepped out of my comfort zone, and uh, you know, but I went and I actually got to know my neighbors. I got to know my neighbors to the extent that I told them I really wanted to put together like a community action type uh, organization between us, where we knew who was the doctor, who was the nurse, who was a um, you know a mechanic, who 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 could provide something or some service or some help in the event it's needed. All people in communities should be doing that. Now, when it comes about the United States government, they're not our friends. People that want to think that they're our friends, I'm not sure where that thought process comes from. It doesn't mean that they have to be our enemies either. They're going to be the enemies of of what we make them be by doing the things like Melvin was talking about and hiding and making yourself look scarier than maybe what is real or making it appear or alluding that you've got things going on or the idiots out there that are posting prolifically pretty threatening and vile stuff still to this day that's being collected by those feds you guys are all so afraid of. Why do you keep giving it to them? When are you going to take time to get into your community? Now, Mark and Melvin went to that refuge a couple times, or went to Burns and then visited the refuge and stuff a couple times because it is about community. They had people from their places there. They wanted to get them to leave, but they had also told people not to go. They had told people to do the work in their own community. And by do the work, that doesn't mean go stand on your corner looking like a punk with a gun. It means go do something that's a need in the community. Mark, I mean, Melvin, you have done some pretty cool stuff. And, you know, the networking and the community that you have created, I, I have to say, I'm very impressed. Because it's not just what people think of as militia members. You have people that are involved in churches. You have people that are involved in law enforcement. Because it's about your community and working your community. And then, Mark, I want to talk to you right after he answers, because I want to talk about how to work the system, because we're going to talk about cows in a minute. So, uh, Melvin, go ahead. So it's like you said, you know, when when you – okay, here's the whole point of, of bringing in your law enforcement. Everybody wants to concentrate. Everybody – Everybody's worried about you know when when everything hits the fan when it, when it really goes down when the economy or whatever EMT whatever you know just shuts down everything around us you know what are they going to do they're they're prepping they're they're part of militia group might have ten twenty thirty guys maybe some organizations out here have up to thirty thousand just mind be mindful of that but uh you know your your people. Your people right here that live next to you in your community, they're law enforcement officers. That, that That's the people you're going to be dependent upon. All right? You want them in your ranks. You want them to know who you are. I want to know. I want to make sure mine know who I am. That way we're on the same side if we do have to come together in a bad situation. We incorporate the churches because the churches do a lot of community work. They know who's hurting. They know who needs help. So we bring them in. We, we collaborate with them. All right, 
it doesn't matter if you're going down the if you're going down the road and you see a, a little old lady pulled over to the side of the road with a flat tire. Most of us would stop and help her fix that flat tire. Do we walk up to that lady and go, "Hey, are you a liberal or are you a conservative? You're a Democrat or you're a Republican?" No, we don't do. We help her get the tire changed where she can get back on the road and get where she needs to go. We need and it to doesn't stop matter and if lay she's down. White, red, blue, or green. You're going to stop either Does, way. Doesn't matter, ma'am. She's an American. She's one of mine. And we got to get back to that point. We got to get back to that point of being an American, not a white American, not a black American, not an Asian or a Mexican American, but an American. If we get, to, if we can come together as a people, you won't have people taking over refuges. You won't have people sitting in their jail cell for two days, not being able to eat or anything else. You won't have that if we can come together. We can correct this without guns. And that's what I keep trying to, to explain to my people. And and let me remind the listeners, Melvin Lee is the owner, the CEO of Patriotic Warriors, okay? Patriotic Warriors is, is you know, in this movement, something that's respected. People, I know that um, you have concerns. I'm not, for, I have guns in my home, okay? I have guns in my home, but... I, I don't feel the need to take them with me to a protest. That's, that's just me. Um, maybe there would be an occasion where I felt that need, but I haven't had one of those occasions yet. Um, but the thing is is that I don't think that people need to have this fear level or this angst or even anger about the fact that militias in this country. I think that people in general should get more involved in their communities and get to know who their militia members are because when you have people that are doing the wrong things and being riffraff, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, Mar- uh, 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 Melvin, after I go to Mark, um, you know, those people give everything a bad name, regardless of what cause or, or what group or, or whatever it is. So, Mark, let's talk a little bit about working in the system. I've told my listeners before, as part of the 9-11 Truth Movement, many, many, many years ago, there were a bunch of conference calls going on, and there were people that were legitimately planning to run for office, become law enforcement across the country to try to work the system, basically infiltrate the system, work the system from the inside. Now, are some of those people <clears throat> are what we know as House members, Coalition of Western States now? I don't know that, but it's possible. But there are many people that have had this thought. It wasn't some new epiphany for just a few people. Now, should we be going and infiltrating the system and becoming moles and think that we're going to work it that way? Or should we actually be participants? All those people out there that gripe and moan about the country and the way of the world that aren't actually participating participating in making it better, well, I really don't think that you have a right to, to gripe at all, and it's not even a, a recreational bitch at that point because there's nothing that you can do about something you're not trying to do something about. Mark, how, how, how should people start directing, you know, the angst that they have with the United States government as far as trying to work within the system, try to get laws and, and stuff like that? What would you say? For me, with, with the Arizona, with our Arizona people, you know, we I promote more of a grassroots. You know, people need to get out. They need to get the right representatives elected. You know, like Melvin said, you know, 40 people went up and taken over a bird refuge. It didn't solve anything other than create a bunch of a uh, bunch of homes right now that have no fathers and have no husbands in them. You know, people need to be more focused on their communities, fixing you know what's being deemed as fractured communities, 
getting the right people elected into, into these offices. You know, if people have such heartfelt, you know, issues with law enforcement, <clears throat> how come they're not down there, you know, trying to become law enforcement, fix that from the inside? I've had that discussion with numerous people. Well, the sheriff here, he's, you know, this sheriff, he's corrupt. Okay. Um, are you trying to go get a badge? Are you trying to run against them? Are you trying to promote somebody to run against them? Well, no, I'm not. Well, then you, you kind of don't have a leg to stand on. Correct. Melvin, you want to talk about uh, working the system as well? Well, the, the I want everybody to realize, you know, everybody wants to, to find an excuse of why it is the way it is. All right, if you're not blaming George Bush, you're blaming Obama. If you're not blaming Obama, it's McCain, it's Feinstein, it, it's it's all the people that had to state up there, okay? I'm going to tell you what. It comes down to the people, and none of this was overnight. All right, it, this has been in the works for decades. It was minute changes over time that put us where we are today. All right, we have to get back into – we have to get back involved. But, see, we won't. We won't get back involved. We won't get back involved because, well, Mark's a fit, you know. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deal with Mark, you know. So I'm gonna isolate Mark, and then my friends over here, they're gonna see what I said about Mark, and they're gonna take me at my word that he, without even investigating, without even investigating the man, don't even know the man. All of a sudden now, there's 20 people standing against Mark. So now our groups are not working together no more. We create our own division. Nobody's creating this division. We're creating it ourselves. We're creating the division between, well, Democrats and Republicans, even though we're all Americans. We're creating division through minute things just because we don't agree. And the system is running on its own now. You know, because we're out here arguing amongst each other. We're out here threatening one another. We're out here not trusting one another. So basically the system is running itself, and it's running wayward, and we all know it. But we're not doing anything to stop that. We're not coming together as a people. We use rhetoric that, well, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to work with him. He's talking about killing people. I'm not going to deal with him. You know, so we isolate him, which we should, by the way. But um, in having what we have as Americans, we cannot be scared. You cannot have this kind of freedom that we speak of and be scared. It's time to stop being scared anymore. It's time for people to come together with their voice with their First Amendment, and do the right thing responsibly. All of us. Now, once I take your rights away as an American, I automatically forfeit mine. Immediately. The whole point of our Constitution is so I don't infringe on you, Sherry, you don't infringe on me. And isn't once you it start infringing on me, I'm going to infringe back on you. It's just going to be a vicious cycle. Right, and... And isn't it true, like, us three here tonight on the show, we're very different people. We have very different beliefs and thoughts and likes and dislikes and opinions. And, you know, we have been able to get on a common page together. Um, My regular listeners, some of them were quite surprised that I was going to have this conversation on one hand, not surprised because it does have something to do with what happened in Burns, Oregon, which I've been covering, but... I have been very candid and very open with my listeners about about who I am and and where I've been, you know, in my life and my activist walk as well as as a journalist. And you know, I I have I I say I preach it all the time about the propaganda goes all ways, not just one way or the other. And that you know, we 
what we show, how we behave, is how people are going to treat us or perceive us. Now, um, Mark, when after all this happened, you know, uh, it, it went down with the refuge and stuff here in Oregon, and you know, you've been you, you've been through all these attacks and all of that and stuff. But you're you're still you're just mm. keeping on keeping on doing your thing, right? You're still doing what Correct. Mark McConnell always does. I mean, you know, there are accusations and and you know the the, mm. the trying to interfere in a negative way in your life is is not anything that's impacted you per se. Correct. No, I mean, everything with me is still as normal. Uh, I still run my company. You know, I'm still working right, on pause. building the Arizona. Oh, hold on, hold on, Mark. Pause. Cause, hold on. I have a point to make about that. So, and, and again, I've had many conversations with Mark and Melvin both uh, together and apart uh, leading up to doing the hmm. show. And the reason it's important for you to understand that what these people have done or if you're a part of doing it, not just to Mark McConnell or his wife or to me in the past or in the near future, whatever, or to, um, you know, people, you know, some YouTubers. There's a whole slew of YouTubers right now that are just battling each other and stuff, and I'm really not sure why. Then you got people on the other social media like Facebook, and I've talked about, uh, you know, people like Luana Elliott who is quick to want to dox everybody while there's a million threats against that person going on in the same thread, but she wants to go and find their home address for them. Why? Why do people want to do that? Why do we want to hurt each other in 140 characters or less all the time? Why do we not want to have a conversation anymore? Well, it's because we don't have community anymore. We really do not have community anymore. We spend our time in these little devices. We spend our time being snarky. We spend our time pretending we're investigating or whatever we think we're doing, but we are not engaging with the world that is literally around us in our physical being. And that is something that has to change. So us three being as different as we are, part of the point in tonight's show is not to exonerate Mark. It's not say, hey, girls, here's Melvin, the guy that you guys, you know, think is so cute in his videos and love what he's saying. You know, this show is not about me. This show is about all of us. Uh, and I want to make a comment real quick, and then I'm going to go back to some questions with the guys. Uh, Sarah Redbuck, I see what you're posting on your page. Um, and no, I didn't boot you from the chat. You disappeared from the chat. My own social media manager also got bounced from the chat, Sue Shugart. So if you were, in fact, bounced and not just saying that, you're welcome to come back in. You were never, but you were never kicked out. But you can go ahead and keep perpetuating disinformation, which is really hurting you and your patriots. Mark, let's, I mean, Melvin, let's talk about how people are doxing people. Let's talk about how people are treating people, human beings, fellow Americans. Well, the problem is we've become judgmental uh, in everything, and all we are is, is reactive now. We're, we're not proactive no longer. You know, we, we don't have that sense of community. And, you know, we're sitting here criticizing people and we're arguing on this Facebook and we're arguing in social medias and everywhere else when it very it, it very could well be your next door neighbor that you're chatting with that you're totally disagreeing with and hating on and talking about you're going to go to their house okay well, well they could be your next door neighbor <laughs> you know it makes absolutely no sense it makes no sense at all you know we we need to come together we need to come together as a people because we're, time, we, we need to stop judging people, one another. 
Right. And Melvin, all this time that people have spent just on Mark, okay, all this time, all these many different people, well, I mean, they're really a handful in the scheme of things, but you know what I mean when I say that, because there is a handful of them. All this time that they continue to spend on Mark, just like the attention that it got in that world on social media because you guys are coming on the show and in the chat room and stuff going on and on the other pages right now because Mark McConnell's on the show. Oh, my God, he's a bad. All right. Well, they've just wasted all that time, all that time when they could have been doing something productive. They could have been building community online and offline. They could have been doing something for their, you know, their jail, quote, unquote, patriots. You know, there could be a lot of things that people could be doing with their time. So why are they doing this other stuff? I don't understand what they're getting from it besides clicks, likes, and shares. And if that's what we live off, if that's what sustenance is to us now in this world, then we have a much bigger problem than whether there's militias around the country. Because I guarantee you there's more crazy people outside of being militia groups, okay? And in those militia groups, I want to touch on, uh, and I'm going to let you both talk on him, okay, because I know you both have something to say on him, but I, I've gotten a question a few times in the chat room, and we haven't discussed John Ritzheimer. Now, John Ritzheimer, yes, he did the Muslim, uh, or the, the mosque uh, thing. John Ritzheimer, you know, he had his moments, you know, with receiving his package at the refuge and uh, all his videos and, and the drama that he really presented in his live streams often. It was almost like he was a character player in many of them. I mean, it didn't come off as very genuine to me and to many. But Ritzheimer, um, he's kind of, from what I've gathered, Ritzheimer is, He's a little bit of a loose cannon, but he's got one foot in a good place and one foot in a bad place, place and it's kind of like reigning in a child, in a sense. Uh, Melvin, let's go to you with that. Okay, what's the question? Uh, let's talk about John Ritzheimer. Let's let's talk about, you know, how when you have somebody in, <clears throat> in a movement like John, um, who, who many people really liked and many people didn't, okay, but when you have somebody in a movement that's doing some of the things that John's doing and behaving in some of the ways he's behaved and doing the stuff that he was doing on social media. How do responsible and respectable, you know, militia leaders like yourselves, how do you manage people like that in the movement? Because, Melvin, I know you, you and I, we talked, and we talked, you talked very strongly about, you know, kind of having <laughs> things being weeded out, right? So <clears throat> when it comes to someone like John Ritzheimer, I have not been of the opinion from you that he would be somebody you would necessarily think needed weeded out more than managed properly or re-educated, so to speak. Can you talk on that, on like the riffraff in the militia movement? Well, you know, John, John was a, John, John is a Marine. Uh, he's got a certain way he's going to come across. And, uh, you know, he come across hard. And uh, the thing is, is John was saying what a lot of people was thinking, but they wouldn't say it. Now, here's John, no filter, bam. You know, he's out there, he's in your face. And he's saying what's on his mind. And and he and like Mark said a while ago, yes, there was two two individuals, two shooters came from that mosque, that particular mosque that he picked. Okay? But there's more than just two. There's another three that had ties to that mosque. The one cut a lady's head off in Oklahoma. Alright? So there is issues with that mosque. And John was following this. He was watching this and, and even though some might not agree with his with his language, with his rhetoric, he was trying to get a message across. 
you know, he was trying to get a message across. He was trying to draw attention to the situation at hand. Now, the man had did two tours in Iraq. So he, he understands. He's seen them at their bare. He's seen them at, you know, wow. Wow. he's seen them at a certain level. <clears throat> what? Mark, you want to talk about that? He needs some water. <laughs> We're doing a long show. I probably should have told you guys to make sure you had water. <laughs> Mark, let's talk about some of the riffraff and, and militias. And when, when, was, people are trying to, when people are trying to be a part of your organization. Huh? We was reaching out to John. We was trying to, to, to pull John in to basically our arena because he is one of my veterans. And, you know, I, I've got a soft spot for my veterans. And we was trying to pull John in, and we was trying to, to basically get him to tone it down a little bit. You know, and we was trying to pull him in. And he just wasn't going to go for it. Did he, like, I mean, now, let's, let's and, and that's actually a perfect segue because, um, you know, we got about a little less than 30 minutes left. So let's let's move here. Um, I want to talk about cows a little bit because, um, as my listeners know, regardless of what side of this you're on or in the middle somewhere, um you know, we have a bunch of people that are in, in jail, and uh, I don't know if all of them will go to prison or not. That remains to be seen if any charges will be changed or dropped or whatever. Um, and then, again, of course, how much time that they will get on those charges. But we have, you know, we have like Sam Philly, for instance, one of the, you know, one of the big heavy things against him is that he incited people. Well, I happen to agree that he did incite people, and I say that to, about somebody that, that I had considered my friend. Um, so it was a conversation that essentially and I have had many times, face-to-face, on the phone, in messages long before this ever happened. Um, so it, it's not like what I'm saying right now is a secret or I'm bad-mouthing Santilli. It's the truth. Now, but the thing is, is that there are people like Alex Jones who, um, you know, incited Santilli. Now, Recently, I, I'm going to play a little clip, and I played this the other day. I, let me see if I, I do. I, I want to see if I still had it in here. Um, a, a, about a month ago, Morning Pelletier, Scott Sergeant Moe did a, 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 pod, a, a live stream or a podcast, a video on YouTube, and most of it is really about Santilli, and you know, she's trying to establish herself in the public mind as a journalist and, and stuff like that, but she... She went into this thing about Alex Jones because David Knight on the, on Alex Jones' shows, David Knight had, you know, pretty much said that all these people deserve to be there, and uh, went kind of went more in depth about Santilli particularly. Now Santilli was sprang from Alex Jones. He was one of his biggest fans. So I'm going to play. This is just it's about a minute and eleven seconds. This little clip that Mo did on her show, um, because I highlighted this uh, several weeks ago after she had done it, because I, I felt this was important, and and I'll explain why it's important after we listen. So this is this is Maureen Peltier, South Sergeant Mo. The truth is hard, and the truth is Alex Jones that everything you predicted that would happen to our country, everything Alex Jones and your messages I've listened to for years. It is coming to fruition. Alex, David Knight, Joe Biggs, everybody on the InfoWars shows, it's happening and it's happening right now. And you're not paying attention. You're not hearing it or seeing it. They're rounding us up, Alex. 
and you're pointing fingers, saying it was earned and deserved. And again, I say that is no different than saying the woman who dressed inappropriately deserved to be raped. Your message is loud and clear to me now, Alex Jones. Pete Santilli is being raped, and you think he deserved it. You think we all deserve it. Everything you predicted, Alex, is coming to fruition. Okay, so again, that's not Sergeant Mo. Now, the only thing that I disagree with what she said is I don't particularly like the comparison she makes about being raped, but I do understand what she's trying to get at. Um, the other thing is that everything that Alex Jones has said would come to fruition is not, in fact, coming to fruition. Some things, okay, some things do. Okay, but Alex Jones and the people like Alex Jones, which is how Sean Tilly was and presented his show, you know, when they're putting information out there, these people, so what Mo's saying there, okay, and what you can hear, you hear something very genuine there, okay? I gave her credit for this. I thought that was an important thing that she did, and that is because people are responsible also for inciting these people that are in jail, okay? And some of those people are the Coalition of Western States. Mark. Let's talk about cows. Moo. Mark. Melvin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about cows. Let's talk <laughs> about cows' involvement in the situation. So when when you have people that have positions within the government uh, and in law enforcement, legitimate positions, and they're telling a bunch of people that what they're doing and how they're doing it is okay. And now all these people are in jail. Is that okay? Is it okay for people, for, for legislatures, for, for, for cops, president pass? Is it okay for them to support and encourage illegal behavior, convincing people because of who they are, people believe them because of who they are, that what they're doing was okay. Is it okay for people to do that, whether it's cows or some other group? Well, no, I don't, I don't believe in inciting at all, not unless it's in a, in a good way or responsible way. So I don't agree with inciting at all. Now, I did put cows in a video to, because there was some speculation you know, just how deep their involvement was, you know, and if, in fact, they was involved beforehand, and if they knew beforehand, then then I would I would like for them to, to participate and use all their connections to help these families out there. You know, we've, we've got 27 families right now doing without their husbands, and I don't, I don't care, I don't care what your beliefs are. I don't, I don't care where you stand. There's women and kids out there. I do not care what their last name is. It does not matter to me. But they need help. And cows, well, if they, you know, they they've got a lot of stroke. They got a lot of pull. All right, they're famous people basically. They, their outreach is, is larger than mine. So they can definitely, you know, help with them situation. I'm not saying they're not helping. I'm just saying, you know, 
I want to see some particip- participation is what I want to see. Okay, so um, Mark's call dropped. I'm bringing Mark back on. Mark's back on live now, but, uh, Mark, we're talking about cows. So with what Melvin, with what you were just saying, um, this is this is where you're going to hear probably where it might come out a little more, maybe with Melvin and I where the listeners will understand that, you know, we do have varying, differing thoughts here. Now, my, and I'm going to go to Mark after this, my, as my regular listener knows, the way I feel about cows is they're not just regular people. Like like Melvin points out, you know, they're they're kind of famous in their own way. They're, they're you know, when you when you're a politician of some sort, especially when you're like Michelle Fiore going out and being, you know, in everybody's face the way she is, her calendar, her self movie, and all of that. Um, you know, you have you have people that have true legitimate positions of power, at least perceived by the general citizenry. Your assemblywoman, your sheriff, your chief of police, you know, these people are somebody that you expect what they're telling you, that they're telling you to do it or telling you it's okay when you're asking, you know, and they're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, to me, that's way different than someone like Mark or Melvin or me telling somebody that something's okay because these people should know better. So now while Alan Bundy had his agenda, okay, for what he, what, why he was doing what he was doing, whether you agree with his agenda or not, anybody, okay? But there are other people that participated in that whose agenda wasn't the same as Adam and Bundy's. They had their own agenda. Because as I've explained to you, in the last five years, very, very many different activist groups have been coming together for individual things. And Melvin and Mark will tell you that all the people that were at the refuge, even those that tried to claim that they were militia, many of them were not militia. You know, they had a Walmart little rifle and, you know, and, 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 you know, put on a costume, basically, to fit in. They want to belong. And why do people want to do that? They want to belong because when you have a belief, real or otherwise, when you have a feeling and the people in your your face-to-face world, the people that surround you all the day don't agree with you and you have no one to talk to about it, you start looking for people of like mind. And you want to become a part of that because it makes you feel good. It's an endorphin thing. It's a legitimate thing. So we have people, average citizens across the country, whether you agree with what they did or not, and everybody knows I do not agree with what they did, I do not agree with how they did it, okay, but... It does, to me, what matters most is the people of authority that told them it was okay. Mark, how do you feel about cows and that their part in this? I believe that cows did have a part in it because we did have a meeting up there, and everybody that was in the refuge at the time on January 7th unanimously voted to go ahead and take care of our arms and gear and shift from the refuge back down to the courthouse to turn this back into, in fact, a peaceful protest. And by the time the... Mark, hold on a second. Uh, I want to uh, just give a little context for the listeners. On January 7th was the day that Alan Bundy met with Sheriff Ward, and they had their handshake on camera. They were supposed to have a meeting the next day. Alan had told Ward that he would think about leaving. They did that on camera. That day, January 7th is the day that Mark is speaking of, that day Mark was at the refuge. He was talking to the people there. He was trying to get them to go. Many of them wanted to go. Ryan Payne disagreed with what Mark was doing there. Ryan Payne called a meeting in what they called Chow Hall down there at the refuge. While that meeting was going on, LaVoy Finnicum, Ryan Bundy, and Ammon Bundy were in HQ, which was the manager's office at 
the refuge. Now, were they talking to somebody on the phone? What were they doing in that meeting? I don't know. But Ryan Payne called the meeting that Mark's talking about and about whether the people at the refuge wanted to leave. At that point in time, there were approximately 30 people that were occupying the refuge. Go ahead, Mark. Pick it up from there. Yeah, at that point in time, there was about 30 people, and we had all voted. Ryan brought it up for a vote, and everybody had voted to unanimously, I, I, I will add, that we were going to shift from the refuge, take care of the weapons, take care of all this. Because the refuge, everything logistically was poorly planned. Logistically, tactically, it was just a poor setup. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to shift everybody out of there. You know, one of the discussions was to move the move the <clears throat> uh, mission from the refuge to private land. You know, one of the areas that was brought up was the Hammond Ranch, turn it symbolic. You know, we didn't realize that there was issues at that point in time. Um, the night of the 7th, you know, we had this vote. After that, Melvin and I left there, and we were supposed to have yet another meeting uh, Friday now, morning the on the vote, 8th. So, Mark, the vote, the vote was those people, it was unanimous except <clears> for <throat> one couple that were basically there squatting, okay? That Correct. vote was unanimous against Ryan Payne and staying and them and staying. The vote was to leave, correct? Correct, correct. And there are yeah, many, we were, many witnesses we were all... of this. <clears throat> correct. Yes, and I've okay, had numerous discussions with people that have been there about it. But we were supposed to, you know, have another meeting on Friday morning. Well, Melvin and I left. Uh, we went back into town there again. We were staying in town. We went back into town, picked up the girl, picked up the baby, went to the, re went to the restaurant to have dinner. And when we were there, we ran into uh, Eric Parker and, and another guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And just talking to him, you know, giving him a layout of what just happened up there. And at that point in time, we were told that the plan had already been nixed. Now, that was within an hour, hour and a half. That that plan had been nixed, and it was and it was nixed by Ammon Bundy. We I don't know for sure who it was nixed by. I never did find out. If I okay. had to imagine, it would have to be somebody in the upper echelon. Okay, but and when so we that got back out how there, many people, yeah, how many people left? That evening, over the course of that night, approximately twenty people left up there. And so that left, and that's Which when we is, heard news stories. We heard news stories that a bunch of people had left. You can all go back and look to verify this. So that's part of what you need to do when you're doing your little investigations. You need to look for legitimate things that correlate all the other things that you're trying to prove. Now, one of those things is that they talked about now all of a sudden there was less than a dozen people left at the refuge. Is that correct? Yeah, they about right. Okay, so then you went home. Um, you know, basically you went home like the following day, correct? Yes, we left up there on, I believe it was Friday the 8th. Melvin and I, we loaded um, the two girls and the baby up, loaded all the personal effects, and we went back home. Okay. There was nothing, so, there was nothing more we could do there. So now you went back a second time, and everybody wants <clears> to know why you went back a second time, Mark. Um, I went back. So, go ahead. I went back up there because Ryan Payne asked me to come back. You know, we, he talked to me, I don't know, two, three times on the phone. Uh, wouldn't tell me why he wanted me to come back, just to tell me that he wanted me back up there because of my, you know, because of my experience or my ability. And he never would elaborate on to it. You know, at first I wasn't going to go because, you know, a thousand mile trip from where I live, just for, you know, a conversation, it's not worth it for me. 
But ultimately, after a few of these sorts of calls from him, you decided to go ahead and go go back up there. When you went up there, um, what was the atmosphere uh, then? Was there, you know, was it back to a whole bunch of people there, or was it still a handful of people? No, it was, I mean, there was a constant ebb and flow of people in there. You know, as far as supporters, there was a lot of supporters. You know, as far as, you know, quote-unquote militia, there was very few, even then. So... For, you know, for somebody that so so here's the next question. This is for you, Mark. This is something that uh, a lot of people are are having a struggle to understand. Um, I clearly understand it, um, but for whatever reason, people are still struggling with this aspect of your your time and involvement <clears throat> there. So after you had returned, you returned around the 22nd. Is that correct? Yeah, that's about right. Okay, so um, yeah, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that was the date. So when so then we skip to the the day of John Day. We skip to the day of when when Finnegan lost his life. People, if you weren't there all the time, and and if um, Ammon Bundy already had Brian Cavalier had Buddha as the security, why were you suddenly doing security for Ammon, and why were you driving him to John Day in your Jeep? Well, when I got back up there at the front gate, I ran into John uh, Redtimer there on the road. And John and I talked for a little while. He showed me his little keychain key of somebody had sent him, which was, you know, I don't know, people have better, you know, they have better things to do with their money, I think. <clears throat> but nonetheless, and uh, I pulled up to the gate, had them call for Ryan Payne, and HQ came on and said, no, send him, to, send him down here to HQ. So that's where I went. You know, Brian was back there, but there again, Brian is, one, he's unarmed. You know, two, there's a, a massive difference in the experience and the knowledge and the, and the ability of myself. So they wanted to pull me back in there. You know, I thought it was it was a good, you know, I thought it was actually a good thing to be pulled back in there because then I could sit there near Ammon and talk to Ammon and try to get them out of there. And that's what we did on Saturday the 23rd. Okay. Uh, now, what, one of the things that I, and I, I didn't mean to skip over this, actually. I just realized that I, I missed something important because, you going back to the refuge and hem hawing over these, you know, kind of, you know, coded messages, so to speak, from Ryan Payne, these very vague messages of, you know, I need you, man, whatever. Um, that was not an easy decision for you to make to finally go there. And it's my understanding that you and Melvin had a two-day conversation about that. Um, Melvin, you want to talk on that? Yeah, he didn't, you know, I want everybody to understand. He just didn't throw his stuff back in the Jeep and, and, and go back to Burns. That, that was a two-day conversation between him and I, whether he should or he shouldn't. You know, this, it wasn't nothing spontaneous about it. it. It was questions back and forth. And I was steadily, you know, no, man, just stay out of there. Don't go back, plain and simple. You know, and it, he, it wasn't like, hey, man, I'm going back, you know, and then the conversation was over. No, no, no. We discussed that for two days, whether he should or shouldn't go back up there. And, and Mark wasn't sure if he should or shouldn't, you know. But people, you know, <laughs> people come up with this idea that you know he went back up there with an alternative motive. That that's wrong. There's no way he would have called me with with the conversation that me and him had before he went back up there. There's no way he had an alternative motive going back up there. Now. Um... 
there's a comment on Twitter, and I, I apologize to the listeners on Twitter. I've had a hard time jumping between <laughs> my green room and the listener chat and the Twitter and the Facebook and all that uh, tonight with, with two guests on. Um, but there's a question on Twitter, and we only have a few more minutes. So, um, But I, I think this is really, really important. I've said this as I've had to call out a couple of people who were misbehaving along the way here. Um, but I, I would like you each uh, briefly, 60 seconds each, can you please speak directly, uh, not to my general listener this time, I would like you each to take 60 seconds to speak directly, and we'll start with uh, Melvin and then Mark, uh, to the other in the liberty movement, the other patriots, the other militias or the people that want to be militias. I want you to speak to them about this stuff that they're doing online and elsewhere that is going to be very hard for any legitimate militia people uh, and organizations like yours to, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's putting a dirty face on everything. So, um, I mean, basically, it's, it's time for, you know, mom and dad to talk to the kids, kind of. Go ahead, Melvin. Okay, well, that's, that's fairly easy. You know, we all, all of us, every, every organization out here, whether it be militia, 3%, uh, Oath Keepers, whatever, all right, we always talk about the Constitution. We always talk about the Bill of Rights. We always talk about our forefathers. What we fail to talk about is the honor, the dignity, the ethics, the morals, and everything else that came with that. And that's what we've got to get back to. If we want to truly embrace what we were supposed to be, then we got to bring that honor back. We have to take care of each other. We have to take care of our own American people. And when I say my own American people... I mean every one of them. I do not care of their religion. I don't care of their color. I don't care where they came from. I don't care when they got here. I don't care if they're they're religious or not. I don't care if they're gay or not. I don't care. These are our American people. And I'm telling you, I've worked all over this world, and there is no better country than this one right here. But we're tearing it apart, and we're allowing others to tear it apart. And we've got to come together. And it's not just tearing apart, you know, different, you know, different, um, uh, you know, organizations like yours. It's, <clears throat> it's tearing apart humanity, society, us as a civilization of, of a community. Um, Mark, can you can you touch on the bad face the militia movement has gotten from all of this? I think in some ways it's actually gone backwards. You know, I've watched a lot of good people that want to get involved. The problem is that they don't want to get involved in the drama. You know, what we've seen with, especially uh, post-Oregon, is no matter who you are, you know, if you stick your head up, if you don't stick your head up, if you say something, if you don't say something, no matter what, if you don't conform to whatever an individual's narrative is, then you're automatically labeled a Fed. I've been labeled a Fed, Melvin, Santilli, John Ritzheimer, everybody, right on down the line, where we've all been labeled Feds, which I find hysterical how all of us were in up there, but yet there were still people incarcerated. I mean, just it makes no sense. But, but when people do that and people come out and they see the attacks that have been done on me because, well, I post them on my Facebook page, you know, and they see the attacks that have been done on, you know, not only my wife, but people have actually gone after my son. My son is active duty Army. You know, people have gone after that boy. And do you honestly think that, that good people are going to sit there and go, you know, I want to get involved in this? No, they're not. They're going to sit back and go, sorry, I'll take care of mine. I'll take care of my family. 
you know, I'll focus maybe on my street and my neighbors. But beyond that, I'm not getting involved in this because if you do, next thing you know, your 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 families, your wives, your your kids, everything else are subject to death threats or subject to, you know, physical threats. So we've actually taken a step back on all this. You know, with me, I'm still involved. I'm still doing my thing. You know, I'm still trying to structure the Arizona 3%, you know, and move everything forward. There again, I watch these attacks, and there's a lot of times where I have, you know, conversations with Melvin or with other people, and I sit there and go, why bother? Why should I bother? You know, why not just let these people go, just go ahead and just fend for themselves? Because that's really what, it, what it's coming down to. You know, and I know a lot of good people. I know vets. I know law enforcement. I know a lot of people that are trained. They're sitting there at this point in time going, no, nah, not getting involved. But nobody wants to come together. Everybody wants to be real quick to point the finger and go, well, he's at fault or she's at fault or that one over there is at fault. Instead of just sitting there going, ah, there, there was a massive screw up here. What did we do wrong? Because as Melvin said, we are Americans. And that's something that people aren't really grasping. They're, they're, they want to divide themselves down party lines, down nationality lines, what have you. Instead of sitting there going, we are Americans. What did we do wrong that caused this? What can we do to fix this? What can we do to prevent this? Nobody wants to do that. It's just easier to sit back on Facebook or social media and go, but it's his fault. And that gets you where? Nowhere's. Right, and the, the truth is, it's it's a little bit of everybody's fault, and um, you know, I, I've I've played a part in uh, you know creating problems. I mean, I feel responsible to a certain degree. Obviously, it's not all my fault, but I, you know, I've said it before. I, I have a, a certain sense of responsibility for um, being a part of creating, <laughs> uh, in a sense, uh, people like Alex Jones from my involvement way back in the day and the 9/11 Truth Movement in the early days of it. Um, you know, the truth is is that every movement, every cause has this going on. I have been called and labeled a Fed or an agent uh, many times throughout the years by other people, uh, you know, in and out, and then the next day they love me for something, you know. I mean, it's, that's, it's easy for people to come up with some ad hominem. It's easy for people to just come up with and just say something versus address anything. Nobody wants to address anything. Nobody wants to actually engage I've given people the opportunity tonight to do exactly that with us, to engage. And unfortunately, and I hate to say this, guys, because, you know, they belong more to you than me (laughs) in the sense, but these patriots who decided to um, come and participate in the chat room, for the most part, they've done little more than kind of show their ass and show that they have no interest whatsoever Mm. in putting on a, a better face for their movement, doing more of the right things, uh, you know, for those that are in jail and their families um, and that, and all that sort of stuff. So um, anyhow, uh, Melvin Lee, Mark McConnell, thank you very, very much for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate you both, and um, you know, I, I hope to have you come back on again. Thank you. Uh, anytime you want me back on, just let me know. It'll happen. It'll happen. I think we need to do more of this, and I'd like to show the listener how very different people – can come together and try to do good work versus, uh, you know, kill each other in 140 characters or less. I mean, who needs a gun? We're doing it already online. Anyways, have a great night, Uh, Melvin. Thank you. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. Um, So, you know, here – 
here's the deal. If you are listening tonight and, and you care about this issue from any angle of it, okay, any angle of the issue, and you want to actually do something effective and productive, it starts with a real conversation, a real dialogue. You've got to stop talking at people. You've got to stop attacking people. I don't know what you think you're accomplishing in doxing people. Uh, I want to, you know, say that you are endangering people's lives. You're endangering children's lives, which is a way no go with me, and I'll call you out on it every time I see it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Feel free to hit me up on social media or on the website at challengingtherhetoric.news, and um, I will be back here again next Wednesday at at 6 o'clock. It will be a one-hour show tomorrow. I don't know if I'll do anything in between, but it will be my regular time. I appreciate you listening. Please hit up the website. And uh, we'll do this again. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.